Next on BYUSN, the newest transfer portal discovery for BYU basketball and head coach Mark Pope. Enter Ali Khalifa. How much better will he make the Cougars? And where does this leave the roster? We'll break down the rest of it and talk to Nick Robinson about it. Welcome to BYU Sports Station, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Tuesday, April 18th. Wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton. He is animated movie critic Jerem Jordan. Saw Super Mario recently. Also finished Attack on Titan, which was unbelievable. An anime. Okay, uh, okay. Uh, recommended by one Hayden Livingston of the football team. Shout out. Um, and Aaron, his wife on the volleyball team. Yeah, the, fantastic. So am I, a, am I a critic? Absolutely not. But uh, yeah, those are fun too. And it is movie season. Like I'm, ch I'm checking all the time for showtimes, get out to the movie theater. It's going to be fun summer. And today's show is going to be fun too because, hey, Men's Hoops adds a big man. We'll tell you about him and uh, what his game's like. Assistant coach uh, Nick Robinson on what's left to get in terms of the roster plus the schedule. Should BYU football be the lowest-ranked team in the Big 12? And former kicker-turned-MMA fighter Andrew Mickelson Fights again this Friday, comes in for some karma. We'll talk to him about the upcoming bout. Here are today's headlines. BYU basketball officially adds big man Ali Khalifa to the roster. A 6 feet 11 inch transfer from Charlotte. Averaged just under 12 points a game last season. Shot 51% from the field. 38% from three. 6.3 rebounds per game. Khalifa. A finesse big man, as he has been explained to me, has two seasons of eligibility remaining. Much more on his potential impact coming up. BYU Men's Hoops joins Arizona State and NC State and a team to be determined in the 2023 Wooden Legacy MT in Vegas, according to John Rothstein. BYU football defensive end Zoom Esplin has entered the transfer portal. Esplin now makes it five post-spring football transfers from BYU thus far. He joins safety Dean Jones, kicker Cash Peterman, linebacker Logan Peely, and defensive back George Udo. ESPN's Todd Mache has the Eagles selecting Blake Freeland with the 94th overall pick in the latest ESPN mock draft. Freeland the only Cougar to be selected in the three-round mock. Cole Gamble of BYU Baseball is the West Coast Conference Player of the Week after hitting 444 over four games with Four home runs, three doubles, six runs, and seven RBI. He also helped an old lady cross the road and did 20 hours of community service. Amazing. Gamble, okay, that's a lie. Gamble is also on the Collegiate Baseball Newspaper, or listed by Collegiate Baseball Newspaper, as one of its national players of the week. The Cougars host Utah tonight, 8 Eastern at Miller Park, live on the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Star Wars night. Let's go. Softball lost 1-0 to number 5 Stanford yesterday. Crazy game. The Cougars had three hits in the game. Ailani Agbayani had two of them. Ailana. Uh, Stanford pitcher Nigeri. Nigeri Kennedy. Yes. Thank you. Leads the nation in hits allowed per game in the ERA. Tough sledding for the softball team. Cougars play at Utah Valley tomorrow. Night. She has a .12 ERA. It's pretty good. In 57 innings pitched. Uh, could be a little lower. <laughs> Let's go. <bet. laughs> BYU men's volleyball remains number six in the latest ABCA coaches poll. I think that's garbage. Should be top five. So. BYU won back-to-back -back matches over the weekend against then-eighth-ranked Stanford, locking up the number two seed for the approaching MPSF tournament. Quarterfinals tomorrow, BYU takes on number seven seed Concordia for the right to probably face Stanford on their home court. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. 
Hall for three in the tie. Yes! Jackson Robinson! Spectacular! What a move! For three again. Again! What's Trending presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. One of the bigger question marks for all of BYU athletics right now is what will the BYU men's basketball roster do under the currently constituted staff led by Mark Pope to get ready for the Big 12? Well, we know now one thing. They have added 6'11 transfer out of Charlotte, Ali Khalifa. So, Jerem, how does the addition of Khalifa impact BYU basketball? They got a starting center. Uh, I, I imagine he will start. Um, and they got a guy who uh, provides something to the roster that they did not have the last couple of years. BYU did not have a starting center. They were playing Foose at the five. He's a uh, power forward. And so this, this provides some help to Foose. It provides also a guy that can shoot the three as the yeah, center, yeah, which is pretty yeah. cool. 38% from three. And it's not like he was just putting up like nine threes. Uh, you know, 41% of his field goals are threes. Excellent passer, which is awesome. Yep. A uh, little high-low action, right, with Foose. BYU still needs uh, some other uh, guys, but I like the fact that he can finish with both hands. He's Egyptian. He's Muslim. He joins Foose and Atiki in that regard as Africans who are Muslim at BYU. So there's a nice contingent and core of those guys, which is pretty cool from a human standpoint, from a basketball standpoint. Certainly provides some scoring and rebounding and shooting and passing. It's like all these awesome things. Uh, probably needs to work on his lateral quickness. Um, when he gets switched, that may be an issue at times. But I really like what Ali Khalifa adds to BYU basketball. We were calling for the need for a center, and BYU has responded with uh, one of the top 100 guys in the transfer portal, according to ESPN. He's not going to qualify as your prototypical rim protector. That's more of right. a tiki's role, right? Just that sheer athleticism and his length. So Khalifa's not going to be, yeah, the major shot blocker, but you brought up his ability to share the ball. I've talked to multiple people around this whole Khalifa recruitment, and they think that his best trait is his ability to share the ball. Oh, watching his highlights, he's an unbelievable passer. Like, incredible. Like, passer. compared to, and I almost hesitate to even bring this up, but the people I spoke with were like, he, he passes kind of like Jokic does for the Nuggets. Let's now, go older, Arvidas Sabonis. I was like, wow, yeah, Arvidas like, Sabonis. Really good passer. Uh, I've heard him compared to Mehmet Okur, longtime jazz man uh, in, in some ways, and his yes, ability to, the passing. to yeah. stretch the defense and yeah. shoot the three. Yes. So a finesse big man, but I love that, that he's being tabbed as a great passer. I think that, that fits perfectly into what Mark Pope wants to do because he always talks about the ball getting sticky, you know, like, no, 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 no. Enter and then kick it back out. Like, just move the ball, move the ball. This is the perfect big man for what Mark Pope wants to do in not having the ball get sticky, too much dribbling, and now you're forced into a bad shot late in the shot clock. We saw that a lot this year. With if you BYU have a great basketball. ISO player, it doesn't matter if it's sticky. But BYU doesn't have a great ISO player. Not right now. Yeah. But that maybe brings us to what does BYU need next. If you got Khalifa, you got your big man, and everything that he can got do. starting five. Okay? Yep. What does BYU next need in the transfer portal? Both you and I believe it's just a dominant score. Whether it's on the wing or whether it's a point guard, I don't care, Jeremy. I don't care where they play on the guard line. Just somebody that's going to come in and, and be like, yeah, I'm the dude, and I'm going to take probably the most shots, and I'm going to make the most shots. Like, can BYU go find that type of, you know, dog, that A-type personality to come in and do Alex that Barcello. guy? Yeah. Like, it, BYU was a projected sixth seed with AB on the team. They were a sixth seed with AB on the team. 
um, and, and at least went three rounds into the NIT, right? You need that guy. Uh, probably needs to be a point guard. Who, who's the backup point guard? You, is it Trey Stewart? Um, starter certainly is Dallin Hall. You like the group of wings he got, right, in, in Johnson and Nell and Robinson and so on. Um, but there's technically only one scholarship available right now unless someone is going to be off scholarship. So you have Stewart and Hall, kind of your point guards. Saunders, Toulson, Nell, Johnson, Robinson, Jake Walleen off a of mission. Um, who's married to Harvey Lungy's sister, by the way, so there's a connection. Noel Waterman. And then the bigs are Fusatiki Khalifa. Waterman's not a big. He's a wing who happens to be 6'11". So if there's only one scholarship left, um, yeah, you need to go find a, a double-digit score for sure. Someone who, Rudy Williams was good, but someone who's even better than I think Rudy was. That's what you're hoping for. You also anticipate that certain guys will take a step forward. That uh, Jackson Robinson perhaps can be the leading scorer. I think on this he's got team. a huge ceiling. That Foose uh, continues to evolve. Um, that that uh, you know, Dallin Hall takes the next step as a guy who can be kind of a hopefully 14, 15 point a game guy, but also run your offense. Can Trevin Nell change things for BYU? Can he stretch yes. more defenses? Can Trevin Nell knock down one and a half threes a game on average or two? That that would be awesome because to me, Trevin. Uh, and Spencer Johnson are your two best shooters on this team. Um, we, we went in and hung out with Trevin and got to know some of the, the new analytics uh, in a story that's going to come out here Super soon. cool, by the way. And Trevin knocked down 81 out of 100 wide open. <laughs> like, just really good stuff, right? Obviously, it's different in the game. But, yeah, and what, you know, Jake Wallin can come along slowly. They don't need him to be something. Like, they needed Richie Saunders and Dallin Hall to be something. Tanner Toulson kind of got injured, wasn't used a ton. Can he be something? Yeah, is this, is this team more interesting? Absolutely. In fact, they're so interesting that this morning, Joe Lenardi has them as uh, next out in which, his latest which bracketology. Is, which is very interesting. Well, well, very well. Very interesting. Have we buried the lead, Jerem? We did Have bury we the buried lead. the lead with Lenardi? Wait a minute. Uh, <laughs> which is crazy. Wait, does Khalifa make I, that much of a difference? Is it BYU in the Big 12? Like, what, what is that? Um, Khalifa certainly helps. Uh, I'm excited about him. That's great. I do want to say I am disappointed, uh, you know, that BYU um, did not get our, our Utah State guy, uh, whose name escapes me. Um, oh, Stephen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, you know, Ashworth. Ashworth. Thank you. Stephen Ashworth. He's going to Creighton. I am bummed about that because here's a kid who wanted to go to BYU who went to Utah State, who had a chance to come to BYU. He chose Creighton. Apparently got a big NIL deal, perhaps. There. Well, listen, I mean... I... But, but I am concerned that Utah Valley, uh, Utah Valley kid who wanted to come to BYU at high school got away. That's, that's, that's a bummer. And that is the first win by Creighton over BYU yep. this year. Yeah, the only win BYU by BYU. Creighton over BYU this year. But, like, I would have really liked him. And I think he would have answered the, hey, scorer, point guard question. That would have been nice. So that one hurts. Honestly. Well, apparently Creighton put out a very, very, very healthy NIL deal yeah. that BYU was never going to be able to compete with. You know, and Creighton probably has more money and more juju in that regard because they just went to the Elite Eight. I, it just. I would hope BYU basketball can match Creighton, who does not have a football team. What if that number's up I mean, around half a million I know dollars? Creighton basketball is amazing. If that number's up around half a million dollars, it's like Creighton's going to beat out most. Power programs in and that I, regard. And if that's the case, I get it from Stephen Ashworth's standpoint. It's a lot of I, corn in Omaha. I just don't <laughs> like the idea that, that BYU, um, you know, I would like to hold down Utah County a little stronger is what I For sure. For sure. I'm with you on that. Like, 
uh, how does They're that how does that cases. guy get away? Right? It, it's it's tough. I think the long term success of of BYU is built on kids who want to be at BYU, right? And kids who are local, and kids who aren't local who want to be at BYU. And you can also get also amazing people and impact players from all kinds of walks of life, which is great. That combination is important. But I think BYU's recruiting advantage is the future Stephen Ashworth okay. of the world. So the starting five as currently constituted is Dallin Hall as your point guard, probably Spencer Johnson sure, as Spencer Johnson. your number two, and one Jackson of your Robinson. key defense, Jackson Robinson on the wing, and then Fusini Traore and Ali Khalifa. I would pencil that in right now. Now, certainly BYU is going to go after, you'd think, with that extra scholarship. Well, they could go after another big, Spence, if they like the guards. Because you yeah. only have three bigs. I think you need four. I had somebody ask me, how is Khalifa different than Noah Waterman? Because people have just heard. Very different. They are very different. But like, Don't just look at 6'11". From, from the surface, it's 6'11", finesse big man, shooter. And it's Noah's like, not a big man. Okay. He, treat, he's Noah, tall. treat Noah like he's 6'8". He's tall, but Noah plays like more of on the wing. And uh, yeah, he can be the four, but like Noah's rarely going to be on the inside. Khalifa... His best passing capability comes from the block, right? Like, he will post up and... Uh, I feel differently. I think, think when he was at the top of the key, he was finding He's the, capable of the high-low, yeah. but I feel like they can utilize him as a great passer in the block, too. I, I think For he's, sure. he is I good enough to do that. I think his best passing, at least on his highlight reel, that mm. I don't know who made. Was it him? Was it somebody else? Was... <laughs> Was when he squared up to the basket at the top of the key. He is seeing all. He is seeing all cutters to the basket. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because Sabonis and Jokic. He's a pick and pop guy. Certainly he is a pick and pop. Can guy. pass with well with their back to the basket and facing up a guy. Like those guys are great passers all over the floor. I feel like Khalifa can do that for BYU. He's very very different player than Noah Waterman. They're and not I, even close. In fact, it's completely... Well, that, that's why I bring it up, because I've had multiple people say, well, he's 6'11", he shoots the three, and he's been labeled as a finesse big man, so how is he different than Noah Waterman? And it's like, that's why we're talking about this. Well, it's so naive. I very, don't talk about very it. different player <laughs> yeah. compared to what Waterman does for BYU. So yeah. this BYU roster needs another score, needs, needs another a ball-dominant guard, whether it's on the wing needs or a point, guard. a point guard. I think needs another point guard. Who's your other point guard? So Dallin Hall gets two fouls in three minutes. Who's your other point guard? It's a great question. I, I think BYU needs one. Yeah. Great question. And, and here's the thing. You have one, like I said, you have one scholarship. If you need a point guard and you want another kind of impact transfer guard wing guy, who's not on scholarship now? Mm. Who is it? <laughs> Name him. Just kidding. <laughs> um, no, that, that, I don't that's, know. That's the tough decision that this coaching staff has to deal with. And we'll talk to Nick Robinson coming up is, do you need multiple guys? And I think they probably need like a capable walk-on who can be your backup four. Because right now, BYU has two centers in Khalifa and Atiki. And then you have Foose at the four. You need another four. And don't, don't tell me it's no Waterman coming up and, to do that. He's Again, treat him like he's 6'8". He just happens to be 6'11". <sighs> yeah, so definitely some roster shakeup is, is still in play for mm -hmm. BYU. And, and if you add one more impact guard... I am, I am now sort of back in a hopeful place with BYU basketball. We're starting to get that. Well, right now, Joe Lenardi's in a hopeful place. <laughs> he found love in a hopeless <laughs> place, apparently. Um, but y you go from the end of the season and feeling really disappointed, obviously, with kind of how it finished. But Khalifa gives you, okay, nice. Got a capable center that has some skills that we haven't seen in a minute. 
um, here, which is which is pretty cool. Maybe never um, this kind of player, right? A center who can shoot threes. Like when has BYU had a center who shoots 38% from three? BYU is trying to get some of its guys on the roster who are guards to shoot 38% from three. Like Khalifa is a good shooter. And then can you get another impact guard who gives you some life? Uh, another Jackson Robinson type, maybe yeah. a little more aggressive than Jackson. Yeah. And then you go, okay, whew, can we? Be interesting in the Big 12. And I think we all hope and feel like the answer is yes, that BYU can be interesting. What that looks like is NIT+. Plus. I don't expect BYU to make the turning year one. I would love it, but at least be firmly in that NIT An improvement spot. would be back in the NIT. And you're taking steps yep. with the young core. Because guess what? Foose, Hall, Robinson, they're all back for two-plus seasons. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a fun buildup. You know, what else can BYU conjure together through the always mysterious transfer portal. They, they found a big man who was rated, according to ESPN, as the 89th best player available in the transfer portal. And it's like, well, 89, is that good? Well, there are over 1,000 yeah. players at one point in the transfer portal. 89 is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. No, I 89 is a solid player. And whatever ESPN says, great. But, like, I see his film, I see his numbers, and I go, this is a good player. That yeah. Helps BYU. People say, well, yeah, he shot 38% from three, but how many threes did he take? Like, more than 40% of his shots were from behind, behind the three-point line. Yep. Like, he took a ton of threes. Mm-hmm. Our question of the day is this. What is the next addition BYU basketball needs to make following the addition of Ali Khalifa? Daniel Rigby at Please Don't Cheese on Twitter, great handle, Mm. says, need a pure scorer or shooter. Ideally, someone who can do both, but that may not be realistic. Just need offense. I I would say pure score. I think BYU has a couple shooters. Johnson, Nell. Healthy Trevin Nell yeah. should make an I, impact. I, I feel good about that part of things. Yeah, You can always use more, but I would love pure score. Because right now, does BYU have a 15-a-game guy on the roster? A ball-dominant score. I hope so. I hope Jackson Robinson takes that step. Man, I a, hope Foose takes that step. A Brandon Averett, an Alex Barcelo, like somebody that's good with the ball in their hands and create their own shot. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Let's go. Okay. Uh, BYU and Utah playing baseball tonight. Miller Park, big game. Star Wars night. Let's go. 8 Eastern on the BYU TV and BYU radio app, baby. Up next, BYU basketball assistant coach Nick Robinson was paramount in the recruitment of Ali Khalifa. Did an incredible job. He's going to break down what that recruiting period was like and what he believes Khalifa will bring to BYU basketball. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Bounce a load of foos and a hammer. Right wing Jackson for three. He oh. got it again! Johnson to make it a one-point yes. game, and he does! Hey, Spencer Johnson for three, Trevin Nell for three, Jackson Robinson for We're three. We're going to see a lot of those. Ali Khalifa for three. They can all shoot it. Welcome back to BYU Sports Station at Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play alongside Jerem Jordan. I'm Spencer Linton. As promised before the break, we now welcome in BYU basketball assistant coach Nick Robinson, who recruited heavily Ali Khalifa. You were, you were on this from the get-go, Nick. So to see this come to fruition, how did it feel when it became official that Khalifa was going to be a BYU basketball player? 
Yeah, no, it was super exciting yesterday to be able to get the paperwork finalized and for Cougar Nation to provide him with all the excitement and love that uh, uh, he deserves at this particular stage in his early, early career here at BYU. Um, but from start to finish, uh, you know, he was able to really feel comfortable uh, with Coach Pope. Um, I talked to him again last night, and he just kept raving about the connection he was able to have with Coach Pope. When he got here to campus, it was all about the players. And so uh, to see this process go through uh, as relatively quickly as it did um, in the transfer portal world was super exciting for all of us. Mm. One story that came out with Mark is that uh, uh, Khalifa is uh, Muslim mm -hmm. and was fasting during Ramadan, and that Mark said he would fast with him. Uh, yes, that that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's really cool, and um, you know, for us to have official visits on the regular, um, you know, over the course of the years, and even uh, you know, going on right now, you're so used to eating right a full breakfast, and then a full lunch, and then a full dinner, and um, uh, with Ali on campus, uh, we actually just had right a wonderful dinner um, right right at 7:57 p.m. I think is when the sunset went down. And um, uh, we're able to, you know, experience that with him. But wow. uh, uh, Coach did go through that process with him, which was really, really cool. And he, did he connect with fellow Muslims, Fus and Atiki, as well in, in their faith and, and the fasting? Was that a thing that he connected with? Them? Yeah, so I think they were talking more basketball-wise, but okay. there's a certain, uh, you know, understanding and respect that they have for mm -hmm. one another as they go through this process. And I believe it ends here uh, Thursday. Um, and so... Um, it's kind of a unique time yeah. uh, in their faith process and in their faith journey. And so we're super excited for him to come mm. and uh, help us understand a little bit more about that process, just like Foots and Atiki have done. Hey, we, we get fasting uh, here as well, which yeah. is super cool. Not in the same way during Ramadan, but shout out to Maury Bamba as well, who's Muslim, who's on the football team, who went through spring ball fasting wow. as well. Wow. Which, which would be difficult. That's quite a feat. Nick Robinson, BYU basketball assistant coach, is on BYU Sports Nation. Again, you worked closely with Ali during this whole process. When you first saw him, what was it that caught your eye? You're like, oh man, we gotta have that guy. Well, I think what sticks out the most is his skill level at his size, right? Being 6'11", it's very rare, right, at all levels of basketball uh, to find a young man that's capable um, of using the basketball as a real weapon, uh, not just for himself, right, in shooting the threes and finishing around the basket, uh, but he makes his teammates better. Um, you know, he averaged, I think, 11.7 point, points and, um, right, you know, 6.3 rebounds, yep. uh, but 2.7 assists. Um, you know, at 6'11", across college basketball is really unique, not to mention, right, the 1.8 to 1.9 assist to turnover ratio. Wild for a big um, man. Which is, you know, that's really, really unique. And so there's only, a, you know, a select few guys that are capable of doing that. Um, and that's, you know, both from the perimeter as well as in the post. Um, he's got a real sense for how to make his teammates better. A little high-low with Foose in action, perhaps? Yeah, no, I think that, uh, you know, Foose uh, might be just as excited uh, about <laughs> Ali coming as Ali is about coming. Uh, but not just that. I think, you know, for him to be able to play out of the post, the simple plays that he makes uh, for, you know, guys like um, uh, Jax or Trevin or Spencer, um, you know, or Dallin or any of our guys on the perimeter, uh, he's going to cause some real problems for defenses. Yeah, what is it that makes him such a versatile, high-level passer? 
because that's tough to do as a big man. So what have you seen that makes you feel like it's going to continue at BYU? You know, I think it's really his upbringing, right? Um, you know, he was uh, tabbed relatively early to be a part of the, you know, Egyptian, uh, you know, process that goes on there. Um, played for the under-17 national team. Um, he got great training uh, at Global Academy in Australia when he came, uh, you know, when he left home at 15, didn't know any English. Wow. Right? You know, just Arabic is his first language. And all of a sudden, right, he's dropped into, uh, you know, the Australian Global Academy where passing is at a premium uh, there. And so uh, he's come up with great training. Um, in Charlotte, right, Coach Sanchez and their group uh, did a really nice job of utilizing the skill set that he provides. And so to have 64, 65 games of experience in Conference USA, right, and that league was very high level this year. Uh, you know, Ali won the CBI championship. Um, you know, you had, uh, you know, Florida Atlantic in the final four. Yep, yep. Um, the NIT came down to two Conference USA teams. <laughs> UAB, so, right? right? North right, Texas. And North Texas. And so, you know, he, he's been playing at a high level and is really ready uh, to kind of take this next, next step and is excited about what Coach Pope can offer him, right? Uh, you know, given Coach Pope's pedigree, you know, playing as well as coaching. Yeah, we're excited to get to know him, which will be really fun. Um, what, what's, uh, there's at least one roster spot available, it would look like. Are there multiple roster spots you're hoping to fill? What's the next step here? Yeah, I mean, right now uh, we've got multiple guys coming in on campus uh, this week and potentially next week as well. Uh, and right now, as usual, we're looking for individuals that want to be here, right, at BYU, that want to embrace everything that BYU has to offer, that are really good at basketball, but also have the potential, like all of our guys to come into the Big 12 immediately and grow as a team. And so, you know, that looks a little bit different for different guys. Mm -hmm. um, and so, uh, you know, we're pretty fluid in what, uh, you know, the next opportunity, the next guy, right, that comes in. Um, you know, we feel like, uh, you know, our skill level continues to increase. The guys are putting great work this spring and will do so this summer. And so, uh, you know, who comes in next? Uh, I'm excited about, uh, you know, to see who comes in next. Is it a guard? Um, you know, I think that there's a, a definite opportunity, right, for, um, you know, somebody that can play, uh, you know, in the guard position, yeah. right? And the reason I say that is we've seen in the Big 12, right, on film and TV and everything that we're, uh, you know, uh, going to experience that guard play, right, and the ability to be able to uh, get to certain spots and make great decisions had a huge impact, right, on the teams in the Big 12. Um, uh, both during the regular season, right, but night in and night out, but also as they went through the tournament. Has the approach to the Big 12, meaning like you're now going to play in the Big 12 compared to last year where you were still recruiting for one year of the West Coast Conference, has that changed now the interest level and the number of players that are interested in BYU in the transfer portal specific to this year? Yeah, so, you know, even a year ago, right, as we were in the transfer portal window uh, with the guys that we had recruited, right, coming in from high school, um, you know, we had received that announcement of the Big 12. And so, uh, you know, Coach has been well aware, right, us as a staff, that the Big 12 is on the horizon. And so the experience that some of our guys were able to gain this past year, given no experience prior, um, is really important for our Big 12 preparation. And so, yes. 
us, right? From a recruiting standpoint, does the Big 12, right, get us into a few more uh, doors, a few more opportunities, a few more phone calls or Zooms, <laughs> um, you know, and even guys coming on campus that might have been a little different prior to that with the West Coast Conference? Yes. Um, and that's going to be really exciting as we head forward, right, into the future year in and year out. Certainly, BYU's recruiting advantage is members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who want to come to BYU. Um, given the need to win now, the urgency of how tough the Big 12 is, and as a coaching staff, hey, you got to win now. What is the role of sort of that uh, part of BYU's recruitment? Yeah, well, I think the recruiting advantage from a BYU standpoint, from the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints standpoint, is really the all-encompassing national and international right presence that BYU has. And that's going to be no different as we go into the Big 12, right? I think the Big 12, right, sees the opportunity that BYU brings, um, you know, for all of uh, the external excitement that comes right from Cougar Nation and from the experience. But, you know, in terms of you know, the individuals that will be on BYU men's basketball team, right, it's great individuals, right, that are willing to represent BYU, right, in a fantastic way. And so, you know, the skill set that comes with that, the athleticism that comes with that, right, the toughness and physicality and competitiveness that's required with that, right, in order for us to be great and compete in the Big 12, um, you know, that, that's really on an individual basis um, and comes with a lot of, um, you know, diversity in terms of uh, international and national flavor, as well as religious diversity, mm -hmm. cultural diversity. Um, but the key component for right recruits and individuals who want to be here is we've got to live up to the BYU standard. And real quick, do you have time to wait for a return missionary at this point and with that level of urgency? You know, in terms of, uh, you know, all the opportunities that are out there, right, it's important that everybody understands what we're getting into. And so uh, that's the key component, right? As a staff, right, we have a, a really, really good understanding. And each individual that walks into the program needs to understand what we're getting ourselves into. Uh, Coach Pope's vision, right, uh, for us heading into the Big 12 is incredible. I'm super excited about it. But it is also extremely, extremely <laughs> yeah. challenging yes. um, as we walk into, right, this summer now. He compared it to hiking Mount Everest. So let's gear up and go, man. <laughs> let's, let, let, let's do this. Yeah, let's get the gear on. Let's get it, you know, everything that we need and start walking Tip one step at a time. sounds tough enough right now to me. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, Nick. Always yep. fascinating. Thanks for the insight. Great. Thanks, guys. Okay, if you missed any interview shows, games, deep blues, you can find them on BYUSN.com and the free BYU TV app. Uh, the Cougars aren't the lowest-ranked Big 12 team, but some people have tabbed BYU football as the lowest new Big 12 team. Should they be? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Make sure you follow BYU Sports Nation on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Alongside Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. You know what time it is? Time to whip it! Game time who? <laughs> Cougar Whip Round presented by Marist, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. ESPN's Football Power Index has BYU ranked 60th and 13th out of the 14 Big 12 teams. Kansas ranked 68th. Could BYU be ranked below the other three incoming Big 12 teams? 
No, but I don't really care that much because Houston's 54 and Cincinnati's 48. Like, it just, whatever. Like, they're all kind of really close to each other, so I don't really care that much. February 10th, uh, I ain't sweating it too much. It's all good. Um, and, and ultimately, BYU operates better from being the underdog than it does the favorite. So yeah. I would love for BYU to feel slighted, and that, that affects their preparation and their motivation um, in the offseason. And then, hey, if you go 8-5 and five and you're the seventh best team in the league or eighth or whatever, fantastic. You're 8-5 and five and you just lost your quarterback. BYU is right where they should be, statistically speaking, in this football power index, number 60, right in the middle of the pack. Going overachieve, and they will. ESPN's Jeremy Fowler polled NFL scouts and executives about the quarterbacks in the upcoming draft. The return was Jaron Hall's draft ceiling was third round, and his floor was fifth round. So splitting the difference, is Jaron higher or lower than a fourth round quarterback? We're going to see next weekend. Uh, certainly think he's a, a, a day three guy. If he's a day two guy at the end of the, in the third round somewhere, oh, that's amazing. But if he's fourth or fifth, that's great too. I, I'm not that uh, concerned. He's probably early fifth round. Don't be surprised to see him sneaking late fourth round, though. Yeah. Joe Lenardi has VOA as the final of the next four teams out, basically eighth out. In his newest bracketology released this morning, are you surprised? Very. I'm very surprised that this so has happened. Like, so am I. That's maybe fun. he loves Ali Khalifa. And that's the difference for BYU. You get a ball-dominant guard that can score, now we're talking. Again, it's April 18th. It's all good. We got to fill an hour. I get it. <laughs> uh, one year ago, Andrew Mickelson, former BYU kicker, started down an MMA path. This weekend, he's fighting for an amateur title. And he's in studio next. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to BYU Sports Station. We are live in Studio B and super stoked to welcome in what I believe is our favorite MMA fighter yeah. out of BYU. Yeah. Sorry, Jan Jorgensen. Jan Jorgensen, kind of retired? He has supplanted you in the MMA power rankings. We go one at a time. As far as former BYU athletes go. He is Andrew Mickelson back at Shooting. Andrew? Andrew, welcome What's back to up? the show. Sorry, Jan. It's them, not me. <laughs> <laughs> the pride of Canby, Oregon. Canby right. is like a small town south of where my wife's from. I hang out in Canby all the time. It's a great place. It's a great place. Yeah. It's awesome, man. Well, uh, we, we're going to start with just a loaded question here. Okay, and I know you've got an affinity for Pat McAfee because yeah. he's a former kicker, but he's been watching what you're doing in MMA, and you've been on his show before. Yeah. You've been on our show, too. We've invited you back multiple times, Two Andrew. equal things. Yeah. So which show has the better karma? Is it uh, Pat McAfee's <laughs> setup, or is it BYU Sports Nation? I mean... This is, I've had more appearances on BYU Sports Nation, and <laughs> the wins keep coming, so I think, I think this is something that's uh, given me the right juju for the cage. Okay. And yeah. it was pretty cool to have you on the Pat McAfee show. It was fun. And for the brand, you know, you got the shirt. For the brand, it was cool. Yeah. It's, and he's, he's been sponsoring the fights, too, so. That's awesome. We, we hit him up every time we get in there and, uh, and coordinate with his guys to wear their logo on the fight trunks. Oh, so. sweet. That's so he's still cool. involved. 
I mean, I wouldn't go so far to say that he's still involved, but guys from his team are still involved. I still talk to the, to those guys over there every time I fight. So Super cool. Well, he's got a couple of ties to BYU, and I know he kind of defaults to Kyle Van Noy sometimes when he's looking for clarification on things, but I think yeah. you need to be in the mix in this too. I guess, yeah. When, when I was on, he was talking about Austin Collie too, their time together at the Colts. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. He's got respect. He's, He's got, got respect for the BYU guys. Knows. He knows yeah. BYU's coming for his West Virginia Mountaineers, too. Oh, yeah. That's right. In let's, November. Let's, let's go, let's dude. Go. Do, you, do you have a year of eligibility, by the way, just in case? Uh, we could we could talk Can to we, uh, we could talk to the eligibility guys and dig something up. <laughs> got, a, got a COVID yeah. year? I'm we'll not sure see. earning money as a professional fighter is going to clear NCAA compliance. NIL, whatever. We it's can a different fit. sport. It doesn't, it's a different doesn't sport. count. <laughs> okay, so you have a fight Friday. Yeah. Who, who are you fighting? Where are you fighting? Fighting at the Maverick Center, fighting against a, a guy out of Las Vegas. Um, so it'll be fun. This is a title fight, and unfortunately, you know, you try and typically have the opponent and all of the negotiations locked down further in advance, but we've been through a couple of different opponents that have had to withdraw for various reasons. And so this is a new opponent, don't know much about him. Mm. Uh, just signed the contract to fight him. Uh, like less than two weeks ago, so mm. it, it'll be it'll be interesting seeing how it goes. He's a really good jujitsu practitioner. He's a jujitsu coach at a gym down in Las Vegas. Um, so high level submission guy. So mm. my okay, goal then. not to not not to spoil the game plan, but my goal is to try and avoid that and uh, try and keep things on the feet and see what I can do with I don't think hand. you're spoiling anything by saying, hey, I don't, I don't I want like to like not go into right. submission. <laughs> I'm not spoiling anything. That's why I divulge. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's pretty clearly the game plan from our side. So. Yeah. Now, last time you were in Studio B, we were talking about your transition from, you know, just kind of like a hobby and fun fights, if you will, into like where you're actually becoming a professional fighter. You've now taken that to the next level. So what have the past few months, even the past year, been like for you as you've made that transition more now towards a formal pro fighter? Yeah, well, quick clarification, not to get technical, but... No, let's um, get technical. Well, I, I'm actually an amateur still. So, you know, the, the typical um, journey from someone who's never thrown a punch before to professional fighters, you start with some amateur fights. And so I'm five and one in amateur okay. fighting. Okay. And this... This title fight on Friday is for the amateur belt, and so uh, you know don't want to don't want to brag about being a pro quite yet. <laughs> but um, yeah, this will be for the amateur 185 title for Fierce Fighting Championship at the Maverick Center in Salt or West Valley, technically. Um, but once you kind of fight your way through the ranks and stack up a bunch of wins. Um, you kind of get slotted for that title contention spot. Okay. And so that's where I'm at. And if I win the title, when I win the title, mm. humbly, um, then uh, kind of the next step in the progression is then to, to go pro. So, Okay, so the next fight could be as a pro. That's, that's is what it, we're, that's is what it we're looking at potentially. Yeah. Is it a different sort of series of, of uh, fighting, uh, competition? Is it uh, opponent? What makes you pro at that point? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, you have to have an, a, um, a promotion that is familiar with you and has seen kind of your body of work as an amateur that's willing to now pay you for your fighting. Um, and so I've got a good relationship with this promotion here locally and uh, for Fierce Fighting Championship. And so that's something that we've kind of discussed and it's kind of on the table. 
Um, but definitely the level of competition takes a few steps up, right? Sure, sure. Um, guys in the amateur ranks are kind of doing it for the experience, getting that cage time. But then once you go pro, it's, it's for real money. And there are guys that once they go pro, that record really counts because if they want to rise through the ranks and make it to a larger promotion like the UFC, um, the UFC really weighs heavily on what their body of work as a professional and in the smaller local promotions has mm. been. So it gets serious. Then guys are actually not like training part-time. You're going against guys that are like trying to make a run at this being their career. So, All right. He is an amateur fighter, a high-level one at that, not quite a pro. Andrew Mickelson <laughs> with close, us though, it on BYU like. Sports Station. Getting yeah. very close. Yeah. How is your family taking to all of this? Depends on who you're talking to in my family. If it's any of my brothers, they're su super stoked. <laughs> if, it's, um, if it's my wife, she knows that I love the game. <laughs> and, uh, she Different kinda, story? She kind of just supports me because she knows it makes me happy. But if I told her that I was quitting tomorrow, I don't think she'd be too bummed about it. So <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. It's, a, it's an ongoing conversation with her, but she's, she's been so awesome supporting me and, and letting me take time and go train mm. regularly and helping me with the weight cuts, cooking good food for me to start shedding off the LBs during the, during the fight camp. So it's been good. You're in the middle of that, I take it. I'm fighting, in the middle fighting. of it right now. Yeah. Yep. I'm hungry. I walked past all your snacks and it just, <laughs> just made me agitated. I was like, what snacks? Uh, yeah, th those yeah. aren't our snacks. Yeah, those are, yeah there's probably, no snacks here, guys. It's probably Studio C. And, yeah, uh, it's they somebody got some else. Budget there. Uh, but I encourage people to watch your Deep Blue. They get to know kind of your story even better. One of your brothers, is he a, a coach? Does, is he work at a gym or something? Not a coach. Okay. Uh, he is kind of the one that got me into fighting. So when I was in mm -hmm. high school, he had graduated, and he was actually getting ready for his mission. And what better way to prepare for preaching the gospel than to go and punch people in the face. <laughs> so and then later uh, you do it spiritually with the Book of Mormon. That's right. That's right. <laughs> spiritually and less spiritually, depending on some of the situations he ran into on his mission. But uh, no, so my brother after high school decided to take up that, that new endeavor and linked up with the team out in the uh, Portland area and got really good. And so funny enough, his first MMA fight was the night before he got set apart wow. to no leave way. on his mission. Wow. So we all went up to like Seattle at this big event center and, and he went out and luckily he took care of business quickly and uh, got the knockout win. And then the very next morning, totally unscathed, I think his hand was a little sore, but he... Uh, no went, bruises, no cuts? Nothing, luckily. That's nice. So uh, then he got set apart and went on his way. <laughs> and then when he came home from his mission, he, uh, he continued pursuing that and, and had a pretty good career. Um, he doesn't do it as much anymore, but he still trains. And so just watching him and being a fan of the UFC, I was just so intrigued by the sport, but mm. had my sights set on football. Right, and mm -hmm. so that was more of a priority. Always was a fan of the fighting stuff, but thought maybe you know that's for another time. And then yeah. after a year or two of you know being out of the BYU football game, I was kind of getting the itch. My brother had moved out to Utah and was training, and so he just let me tag along, and then it kind of just snowballed from there to what it is today. And you want to become pro? Is that where we're at with this? Um, we need to cut this. 
so that my wife doesn't watch this part, but that's kind of the point. <laughs> if there were a title for today's show, it would be Punching People in the Face and Sharing the Gospel. That's right. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, <laughs> yes. That's, right. that's awesome. What's your favorite part about being in the ring? Uh, probably when the fight's over. <laughs> and my hands are in the air and I know I just won, that's probably the favorite part. Um, like running into Lavelle Edwards with a packed house, people screaming at the top of their lungs, and we're playing against a good opponent, like this is a, this is a game with implications, that's such a crazy feeling. And I wouldn't say that fighting is, is more exhilarating than that, but it's just different, sure. right? the setting is completely different. You're getting into a cage in your underwear and you're trying not to get knocked out by some guy, you know? And so you're kind of going out there and about to throw hands with somebody. It's, it's, it's a very interesting mm. kind of primal feeling. Um, but that being said, all of the pressure and the anxiety and the nerves going into that, when you land the finishing punch and you know right there as your opponents like fall into the canvas, like it's over and I've like, gotten to the top of the mountain, at least for this one. It's, it's a crazy feeling. It's unlike any other feeling of victory yeah. that I could describe. Really, really cool though, really fun. I recommend it to anybody that, uh, <laughs> that wants to give it a go. Come, come train with us and we'll get you in there. Is that the loneliest feeling you experience once you get in there? Or do you feel sort of a team aspect with other people around you? Because it is truly the original sport, which is hand-to-hand -hand combat. Yeah, I don't know if I'd describe it as lonely. I mean, it is mano y mano, right? But you got your coaches and some of your teammates that are in your corner, and they're just right on the other side of the fence. Um, but reality is when the adrenaline's pumping, and especially when the crowd starts getting involved, sometimes you can't even hear your corner that's screaming, and they're a distance from about me to you. Sometimes you're just zoned in, right? And it's the repetitions that you spend countless hours in the gym practicing that just kind of come out, you know, naturally in the cage and, and you don't really think at that point, so. This is your seventh fight, you're five and one as an yeah. amateur. Yeah. We'll finish with this. How did the one loss make you a better fighter? Oh man, we don't have enough time for that. Okay, so my one loss um, was against a guy who was a high, high level wrestler, state champ in high school, wrestled for the US national team. Wow. Um, and was one of the top ranked amateur fighters in the country, guy out of Arizona. Um, and, you know, as we were, that was another situation where he wasn't my original opponent. I had somebody else that was kind of signed that contract and I was going to fight. And so I was expecting somebody else for most of that fight camp. And for whatever reason, he, he had to pull out due to injury or something. And so we found this guy as a last minute replacement. And looking at the matchup, he had definitely the edge and experience. And when you're wrestling from the time you're in diapers, Oof. there's nothing a guy like me can do to make up that gap just in a year and a half of training, right? So, um, but we were up for the challenge. The guy was undefeated, um, had a few more fights than I had. Um, but if there's ever a way to kind of push yourself and kind of get that measuring stick of where you are compared to the top level talent in the rest of the country. What an opportunity. So went out, it ended up being a, a pretty, pretty back and forth fight, to be honest. Um, I definitely got the upper hand in the striking and, and landed some good damage. Um, but 
he just was able to turn on that wrestling um, switch. And so he ended up controlling me for the majority of the fight. So where I landed more damage, he kind of controlled the pace and the, you know, where the fight was going. So it ended up being a decision and uh, he won 28-29, uh, so. Oh man. Yeah, lost, mm. lost to the judges on that one. But it was the first time I'd ever taken a fight past the first round. And so we went all three rounds. It was the most exhausted I've ever been in my life. <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was really cool because even though it was a loss, I felt like in many ways I got the upper hand in that matchup. And if there was ever a way to have that learning experience and, and have a loss, it, that would be kind of the ideal situation. Okay. Right? So against a really top talent guy um, and where you don't really land much damage or absorb much damage and you deliver a lot more damage, so. Fascinating. Yeah. Hey, we know your fight's huge on Friday. We're gonna give you a Good huge luck. Yeah. dose of the it's BYU awesome. Sports Nation karma. Friday, Heck Maverick yeah. Center, Andrew Mickelson. Hit me up for there. tickets. Let's yeah. go. I got a ticket link. I'll send it out to people who wanna come support. So. Love awesome. that. Yeah. Good luck. Appreciate it, guys. Coming on. Always great t uh, connecting and chatting, fighting with you guys. It's yeah, fun. Got it, man. Thanks, Andrew. Yeah. All right, up next. We've got other things to do. I'm still thinking about punching people in the face and sharing gospel, but <laughs> not in that order. <laughs> what do you, where do you think BYU basketball will go next in the transfer portal? We already mentioned Ali Khalifa. What's next for Mark Pope and staff? We'll discuss next on BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Our question of the day is this. What is the next addition BYU men's basketball needs to make after adding Ali Khalifa? Our elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated comes from Jim Roberts, MN on Twitter, who says an alpha dog, someone who wants the ball in their hands with the game on the line and the talent to hit the shot. I don't suppose Jimmy Chitwood has a COVID year left. Jimmy Chitwood would fit in perfectly. <laughs> At BYU? Oh, my there's, goodness. There's somebody's office in the uh, Richards building that's last name Chitwood, and I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> Do you know James <laughs> Chitwood? <laughs> Seriously, is, is there a connection there? This, to this fictional-ish character? Today's Rise and Shout Out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Let's give it to the new big man. Ali Khalifa. Welcome to BYU. Stoked to have you. Uh, it's going to be awesome. Looking forward to get to know him. And it was fun to get to know a little bit more about his game, talking with one of today's guests, Nick Robinson. And we just heard from our MMA guy, Andrew Mickelson. Appreciate those guys. Sorry to Dennis Pitt, we ran out of time. For Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. Shout out to Marty Haas. We'll see you tonight for BYU Baseball as they host the Utes at Miller Park. 8 Eastern, live on the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Go Cougs! Star Wars night, baby.